Good afternoon. It is the 26th of January, 2024. I hope the day is finding you blessed. Today, we'll take a look also in Luke chapter 13, this time with a woman with a disabling spirit. We see Jesus healing. We see compassion. We see some teaching. He takes a, an opportunity to teach and to contradict some of the teaching explain to them more perfectly uh, as i have heard said a teachable moment you could say luke chapter 13 beginning in verse 10 so luke 13 verse 10 this is from the english standard version which is my favorite version i believe it to be it's in plain english for the most part it is also uh, more conservative than the king james version to the greek and the Hebrew. So that being said, uh, and that's not my opinion, that's a scholar's opinion, which is saying something, because the King James Version, we know, I mean, that's it, right? So Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Now, this is a wonderful story, and it's great teaching by Jesus and a reminder to us. Number one, this woman had been debilitated for 18 years. A spirit uh, had possessed her and had contorted her, had bent her over. She couldn't stand up straight. Now, that in itself will tell you the power of Satan. So moving on, the compassion of Christ is shown fairly quickly in this story. She didn't ask. She was there probably to be healed. We don't know that to be true, so we don't need to assume. But she was there. She could have just been there to hear the teaching. She knows that she is sick. She knows that she has physical problems. She just wants to hear the good teacher. She just wants to hear the great physician. He's teaching on the Sabbath. Now, we understand the Sabbath to be the worship day, the day of rest uh, for the Jews, for the Israelites. Uh, moving back further than the Jews, we understand that the Jewish term uh, came to be because we went from the Israelites to the northern and southern kingdoms, the southern kingdom being Judah predominantly. And the northern kingdom was 
Israel. Now that happened after, not too long after Solomon passed away, King Solomon of infamous uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. So the Jewish term came to be because the Assyrians came in and practically destroyed the northern tribes. The the ten northern tribes, we'll say ten, because Benjamin, if you recall, in in your uh, biblical history, Benjamin became a part of Judah. So at least ten tribes, predominantly, uh, we have record that a lot of the northern tribes knew that things were going south spiritually, so they moved south. Uh, into the tribe of what would be the area of the tribe of Judah. So then you have the tribe of Judah left. And what were the Israelites, the northern kingdom, became generally referred to as the Samaritans. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Powerful, powerful story. And the tribe of Judah remained for a time, for a while. And then Babylon came in and practically destroyed uh, Jerusalem and subdued uh, all of Judah. And then they were released back. Uh, That was King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians. That was the Neo-Babylonians, I think, if you're a a historian, a secular historian. Uh, Even a biblical historian probably refers to it as the Neo-Babylonians because Babylon is ancient. Uh, Two two different time frames. Babylon uh, has a lot of power in in our history, world history. So that being said, they became known as the Jews. And part of that is from the fact that it was the tribe of Judah. They were released under Cyrus. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, um, that is the um, Mede-Persian Empire. Cyrus released them back out of exile. And that is an absolutely wonderful thing. And they were able to return to Jerusalem. And you have the story of uh, uh, Ezra. You have the story of Nehemiah. Later on, Xerxes, what we understand to be the king of Persia, the Persians, Xerxes, if that sounds familiar, that's who uh, the the Grecians fought against. Um, and, and Greece wound up, because later on you got uh, Alexander the Great. So there is a lot of historical things going on here and what has happened to the tribe of Judah and them being Jews. And, and he quotes, uh, well, kind of paraphrases, this fella quotes the Old Testament to Jesus. Now, if you are familiar with John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. Word, right? So that being said, Jesus knew the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to, to, to Malachi. He knew it better than anybody because it was God, right? Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, was God on earth. God incarnate, if you will. So, Jesus, in another story, calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Why? Because he was there. And this man's quoting him the Old Testament. Uh, we'll give him an A for effort, right? Look, you're not supposed to work. So the first mistake that should stick out in our mind that he is correlating healing someone of an unclean spirit, healing someone of demonic possession is the same thing as doing work for profit. Now, for profit for yourself or profit for your family. And Jesus's response first is, don't you even untie your ox to go feed them? So understand this, that your ox will die if it does not receive water. Jesus is telling us right there that the spirit is more important than the body. Because he's saying right here, I have healed, I have taken away this particular person, this, this lady, this woman of 18 years that had been possessed. I have healed her spirit. And as a result of that, the body has been healed, we see, because she was able to stand up straight. And she glorified God immediately. What, how wonderful that is. How wonderful it is that she glorified God. How many times do we receive blessings and we do not thank God? Oh, we want to go to God immediately when, when we have trouble, but we don't want to go to God when we receive that blessing. So that's a lesson right there for us. But with this teaching, with this teaching, Jesus is telling that man, y'all got it all wrong. So the reason why I used that historical context a little bit ago, and, and I hope that you listened to it, and I hope that I didn't lose you, was because the, the, the Jews had manipulated and modified the intent of the law. Does that sound familiar in any way? They had manipulated and had modified the intent of the law, the intent of the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That was to make sure that you were keeping the main thing, the main thing. And for those of you who may listen to this and hear that, you understand where I'm coming from with that. Um, but it, it is a old saying. I had heard it years and years and years ago. The main thing is your soul. The soul is more important than the body. So if you're going to take care of the body of your ox, how much more do I have to heal this woman because she is possessed by the adversary? And he says, you hypocrites, you walk around like you're religious. You walk around portraying you, have, you, you appear to have a persona of someone who cares about the souls of those who listen to you, but really what you're worried about is yourself. Really what you're worried about is being in control. That is not the intent of religion except 
to remain humble. Right, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up in due time, depending on your translation. And to do the spiritual things, to worry about the spirit, to worry about the most important things. Well, remember the story from Mary and Martha. The message of Christ, the message of Jesus, the message of there is no other name in which there is salvation than Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is the main point. That is what must be remembered. And that must be exercised every day, no matter what day it is. God wants your heart. And that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. That's not new. So we've got the Old Testament. We've got the New Testament. God desiring your heart. It's littered in the prophets. That does he not desire your heart and your intent more than the sacrifice of bulls and goats? Now, the bulls and goats were dictated. They were supposed to do it. And I will ask you, do they do it today? What changed? Did God change the law? I don't think so. So, we must remember to keep the main thing the main thing. We must be concerned for our souls. And if we have concern for another soul, do what is necessary to help that person. Because that person is a soul. That person is precious to God because they have been created in God's image. And let's not let religious tradition or religious proclivities, to use a mayonnaise word, get in the way of us doing what the Lord's will is, and that is to save souls. God desires all men to come to the knowledge of truth. It is God's desire for all men everywhere, men being mankind, to repent. Turn away from your life without Christ and turn towards Christ. Turn towards God. I hope this message finds you blessed, and I hope that you have a blessed evening and a blessed weekend.